Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This is your host, Jason Wright, and this is episode number 55, Six Figure Writing Secrets with Laura Pennington. What's happening, everybody? I'm excited to bring you another great episode of the show, and I've got a cool announcement for you as well. So April 2nd of this year will be the one-year anniversary of this podcast, and I decided that I should do something memorable, unexpected, and significant. So here's what I will tell you at this point. I'm going to do a giveaway where one lucky person, one of you, will get a three-figure Amazon gift card, so 100 bucks or more, I'll reveal that amount later, just for participating in some things. And, you know, we're all about taking action on this show, so I thought, you know what, if you guys want to try to get the gift card, you're going to take a little action yourself. I think it'll be easy, enjoyable, and make sense to you. I'll reveal more about that as we get closer to the date, but I've got a special podcast episode planned around that time, and like I said, a great giveaway as well. And the idea with the giveaway is to give somebody an opportunity to, you know, invest in that side hustle they've been thinking about, or invest in personal development resources, or do something to help them get their life into a better place. You know, sometimes we need a little help to take action and get things moving, and I'm trying to help one lucky person do that as well. Just my way of saying thanks. So let's talk a bit about the guest today. Um, Laura is uh, a very exciting person to talk to. She's done some awesome things. I know you guys will enjoy the conversation that we had. So let's tune into that now and see what we talked about. All right. Today I am talking to an awesome guest uh, that I've been waiting to talk to for a while. So I'm very excited to introduce Laura Pennington. Laura comes to us from SixFigureWritingSecrets.com. She's obviously a successful freelance writer, earning six figures after only 18 months. That's pretty darn impressive. She also coaches, has online courses, blogs, and a podcast as well. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, no problem at all. So I think your story is pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. I love the freelancing thing as well, uh, but you are further down the road than me. So <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey kind of re- leading up to the jump in 2012? Yeah, sure. So I spent a lot of my adult life preparing to be an educator. I had a master's degree in political science from Virginia Tech. I taught in the political science department while I was there, loved it. And when I went to get my PhD in public policy, my classes were at night. So I thought, okay, why don't I get a job? And I had just moved to the DC, Maryland area. So I took a job as a seventh grade teacher in Baltimore City, and it was awful. Every day was just horrible. We had no resources. Uh, I didn't even have enough desks for my students. And day in and day out, it was just a grind that I could not keep up with. So it really burned the desire to be a traditional educator out of me, even higher education and working as a professor, which had been my original goal. So I resigned from that position after about a year into it. I took a job in corporate America, and that's when I really started freelancing as a way to make some extra money. I Googled how to become a freelance writer. I figured, 
you know, my professors in college and graduate school told me I was a good writer. So rather than trying to teach myself graphic design or web development or something that was way out of my skill set, why don't I try to teach myself a skill that I already know I at least have a base level of knowledge about? And it grew really quickly. I was excited just to have a couple extra jobs here and there, but it scaled very quickly. And then eventually, um, I went full time with my freelance writing business in 2013, and have really never looked back since that point. All right, I went, that's that's awesome. By the way, I uh, I got hung up on something you said earlier that uh, I want to dig into a little bit. So when you were in the the schools in the the D.C. Maryland area, and you said you uh, didn't have the resources, and, and you're struggling with that pretty quickly. How soon into that did you know that like, man, this this isn't what I expected. This isn't what I wanted to do at all. Well, I knew that Baltimore City was a high needs district to begin with. That's part of the reason that they were willing to accept someone like me without a teaching credential. Even though I had a bachelor's and a master's degree, I did not study education. I wasn't certified to be a teacher. So in exchange for that, it was a program sort of like Teach for America. And they gave they give you 12 weeks of training over the summer before you jump into a classroom by yourself. And my training really wasn't that bad. I was working with high school students who were retaking history classes over the summer because they'd failed. And that part actually wasn't so bad. I, I enjoyed it. And my thinking was, I'll take a position in a middle school because then the kids won't be as big. Uh, there's less of a chance that it could they could be physically threatening to me, right? You know, mm-hmm. big mistake. 12-year-olds are a nightmare <laughs> no matter where they are. Um, and... So honestly, my first week of school was a real eye opener because I I get to my classroom a couple of weeks before that and I had no computer, uh, no books, no clear curriculum, not even an overhead projector, nothing. I had one box of chalk and then the principal told me I would have to buy more once I use that up myself. So I was like, oh, this is going to get real. Yeah, that's not a good sign at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was pretty intense. Um, And they had paired a teaching like assistant with me for the first month or two. And that situation made me feel a little bit better because the students were actually worse with her. Their behavior was worse um, when she was taking over parts of the lesson than with me. But I just, you know, it, it wasn't even the kids so much. It was really the adults. The administration wasn't really supporting teachers. And it was very stressful to be in that situation where there's no consequences. Because to me, it's a no-brainer that if a kid does something that crosses the line, their parents need to be called. They need to be suspended if it goes past a certain point. And the chaos was just, I mean, there was one incident where uh, my second, my first or second week of school, a student said he was going to kill me in front of the whole class. So I tell, I tell the principal, he calls the student's dad in. And the dad goes, well, who are you? Why is a seventh grade teacher here? My son's in eighth grade. No one had ever told this father that his son had flunked out of seventh grade the year before. And that's why he was taking it again and why he was in trouble with a seventh grade teacher. I mean, there were just so many systemic issues like that where I began to feel like I can't really make a difference here. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm doing the best that I can, but there are problems that go much deeper than what I can accomplish in one hour a day with these kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like it's uh, significantly more drama than it's worth for me. <laughs> so you got out yeah. of there. That's a good thing. So you took the job in corporate America and you did the freelancing for extra income. Did you ever think, I'm just curious, trying to get inside your head a little bit. Did you ever think like maybe 
I've got a passion to do my own thing or was really the focus just making a little extra money and an outlet for you? Well, after making such a big sea change of dumping my career intentions of going into education, I was a little hesitant that same year to jump ship again. So my business, I was actually making more money freelancing part-time within about 90 days of starting. So I was making more money doing that than I was at my day job, but I was like, oh, if I if I jump ship, you know, I'm going to have to pay taxes, I'm going to have to pay health insurance, and I'm going to have to get disability and life insurance on my own. I won't really have this safety net. And plus, I didn't know if this was sustainable. I thought this could just be a fluke that I happened to land enough clients. I don't know if there's dead times of the year. Uh, so I decided I wanted to try to stay for 12 months to see if there were going to be slow periods or something. Um, I, I really should have left sooner and, and I was scared to do it. And actually, when I went in to quit, I was fired. So it ended up being a blessing because I was given severance pay and I kept my health insurance for another 30 days. But it was definitely something where I saw the potential, like how much more I enjoyed doing the freelance writing and being able to decide that the client was not always right. You know, that's not true in corporate America. You have to agree that the customer is always right, even when they're so clearly not. And I could be so much more efficient with my own business. So I, I definitely saw the signs. Very nice. It's wonderful when you do meet that or talk to that really bizarre client to be able to say, you know what, I don't think we're a good fit. It's the greatest feeling in the world, isn't it? It is. And I think a lot of people, especially freelancers, have problems with that. But it's really been, I think, the number one thing that has helped me build my business to the level that it's at and keep it there because I'm constantly determining whether or not someone's the right fit. And as soon as I sense that there's any problem and that we're not the right match, I just, you know, let them go gracefully at that point. You know, I'm sorry, but this is not the right fit for my business at this time. You know, best of luck and move on. And that's been really effective. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And you know what's crazy, and I'm kind of jumping all over here, but that's that's how I roll. When you say that you kind of saw after 90 days, man, this could be something serious. Uh, I'm sure you're aware that's an unusually fast timeline. I mean, that's that's awesome. I'm glad that happened for you. But there's some of the folks listening that are, you know, considering making that jump or even just starting that side hustle. Uh, what would you say about that? What would you say about your time frame compared to what people should expect? I mean, that's a huge reason why I didn't want to leave my day job because it seemed like, wow, this is extremely fast. And, and uh, you know, I couldn't tell because I didn't have a lot of experience freelancing. But at the time, the, the company that I was getting a lot of my jobs from, Elance, was having some kind of a contest, like tell us your story and, you know, how, how freelancing has changed your life. So I wrote this little like 400 word essay, sent it into them. Then I get an email from an Elance exec and they said, we want to do a photo shoot with you in Washington, D.C. We want to feature you on our website uh, as one of our most successful writers. So there was definitely clues there that that wasn't traditional for everybody. Um, but I, you know, one of the things that I did early on was educate myself about the market as much as possible. So I absorbed all the free material that I potentially could. And because I had a day job, I had to be really specific about the freelance projects that I took on and the, the time that I spent working on them. So I think for a lot of people, it's more reasonable, um, you know, to scale it to a full-time level that can take a year. It might even take a little bit longer, but to be consistently making a couple extra hundred or even a thousand dollars a month, that really shouldn't take that long as really any type of freelancer if you're doing it properly. But I see a lot of people that just kind of, 
make mistakes that hold them at the same level for a really long period of time. So for me, what I'd recommend for any new person, have a number in the back of your head. You know, my first month, I want to make $200 or $400. And then, you know, by month three, I want to have brought in $1,000 and consistently work, you know, with that in the back of your mind, like, am I on track? Do I need to pitch more clients? Do I need to do more sales calls? Do I need to submit more bids on job boards to get yourself to that point? And that really helped me stay accountable. I was always aware of what, how many projects I booked, what projects were paying out, et cetera, so that I always knew what I was looking at each month. Well, that's phenomenal advice. Uh, very, very good. So I hope, I hope everybody listening is paying attention or maybe willing to re-listen to this. That is very, very good advice. Um, Let's see. I just had another question for you, and my mind just went completely blank, but this is how this works. It'll come back to me after I ask my next question. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know what it is. It came back to me quicker. So you did the side hustle, which life taught me through the experience of epic and nearly catastrophic failure that the side hustle is actually a good thing. Instead of going from a full-time income to zero and trying to build that up in 30 days or 60 days of no real plan. So... Uh, I've survived that, and uh, I want everybody listening to really pay attention to what she said. I think the side hustle is a great idea. I think you've got to have that security to kind of, like you say, test the waters, figure out what you want to do, figure out what works, and get it to a point where you're so busy you can't stand it. That's actually a good problem to have because then you have options. So uh, I love everything you just said. And I think it takes a lot of confidence, too, to leave the comfort and security of a place that deposits money into your bank account every two weeks. You have to have that drive to chase the money yourself when you work for yourself. So building that up and gaining confidence and realizing week in and week out, oh, I can do this, is going to make it a lot easier when you make that transition. Absolutely. So speaking of transition, what would you say or what do you think holds most people back from taking the leap? Uh, for me, it was just that I was afraid that this would all fall out from under me and that I, you know, there would be some month where I made zero dollars or something like that and wouldn't be able to pay my bills. So I think that's a big one for a lot of people. Uh, some people, you know, this is another reason to have the side hustle. You might be scared that you're not disciplined enough to work for yourself because it does take a tremendous amount of discipline and focus to be able to do it effectively. And that's one of the benefits. You know, if you do this as a side hustle, you at least learn a little bit about can I meet a deadline? Is my work high quality enough to land clients? And that'll take away some of the fear usually associated with that. But it's almost always motivated by anxiety and fear that for one reason or another, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. So you've been doing this going on your fourth year. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I get, well, actually I guess this is my, this would now be my fifth year of doing this. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You, even at this point, I mean, do you still ever have fear associated with the business or are you way past that? Mm, it still happens from time to time. You know, uh, occasionally I it used to be a lot worse if I would lose a client. So, you know, if, if I just had a client a month ago who's bringing all of their content in house. So that was a big monthly retainer that I'd been working on for 13 months that is no longer going to be coming my way. And when I first started, I absolutely would have had a tremendous amount of fear of, oh my gosh, I lost that. I'm terrible. This is my fault. How am I going to fix this? I'll never be able to fill this gap. Whereas now I've done that so many times that I just view it as a challenge and I immediately go back out and say, all right, I'm going to replace that exact amount of money and I'm going to do it in the next couple of days. But yeah, it still happens from time to time. There's jobs that 
I bid on or that I send a pitch to that I think, oh, I'm really unqualified for this or um, different situations that come up. But I think experience has helped a lot with increasing my confidence and making it easier to move through the different challenges. That darn inner voice can be such a such a nasty one, can it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something I'm dealing with even now because I'm trying to write fiction and nonfiction for me. And that's the this is would be the first time really that I'm writing words that are for me and not for my clients. And even though a lot of people go, oh, you've been doing this, you know, almost five years and, you know, you know that your writing is good. Yeah, but my business writing is good. You know, I'm not sure if my nonfiction and fiction writing is good. So that inner voice will come up, you know, no matter what challenge you're doing. Even, you know, I'm I'm working with a personal trainer and she's trying to get me to run 5Ks and 10Ks, I'm terrified of running and I hate it. So no matter what endeavor you're doing in your life, there's going to be that inner voice and you just have to figure out, you know, what I call like brain hacks to work around that. Absolutely. I also hate running, so <laughs> I'm with you there. I'll stick to the weight training and uh, I'll run if, if something's chasing me, but I, I do not enjoy it at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. So let me ask you this. When, when you were making the transition into the full-time freelancing, what would you say the greatest challenge was? So you were having work come in. Uh, maybe the challenge was that inner voice. Maybe that was it, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking out loud about that, going off the notes a little bit. What, what was your greatest, maybe reoccurring challenge kind of in that first six months of uh, full-time freelancing? Honestly, for me, it was figuring out how to have a schedule because I was really resistant to that at first. That was something that, you know, I hated about my day job that I had to sit at a desk between certain hours, whether or not I had work, uh, that just kind of drove me crazy. But then I, I thought, well, do I need to have set hours for my business? And that combined with the fact that not all of my family members, but some of my family members did not really see this as a business. So they were like, oh, you're available, you're at home. Can you run this errand? Why aren't you answering your phone? I'm calling you and it's like, I'm working. <laughs> that has been an ongoing struggle for years to train my clients that I'm not always available for an instant response, but also you know, friends and family members who are trying to get in touch with you. That was a little bit difficult for me because I was so resistant to like, I am not having office hours. I'm gonna work when I wanna work. and. Um, it just, you know, eventually I did come to a schedule that works really well for me. But boy, training other people, when to expect to hear from me and what's reasonable to ask for uh, has been a journey. <laughs> Perhaps I've been lucky, but every time I've reached out to you, you've been very responsive. So thank you for that. Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. So how has uh, coaching for you or mentoring or even networking helped you to be successful with your business? You know, it took me months of uh, spinning my wheels and saying, you know what, what, what have I accomplished in the last 90 days? And I see in, in certain areas I'd make no progress. It took me a long time to realize that I can't do what I want to do by myself. So when you think about that with you, how have you know, coaches and networks help you to get where you are? So the way that I use coaches may not be the way that a lot of other people do. Um, I've learned to really tune into what I'm good at, which is landing clients and delivering projects on time every time. But there are certain things that I want to branch out into where I prioritize all my client projects and I don't get my other things done. So I know where my weaknesses are and I hire coaches basically as an accountability system. I, if I have, you know, write for 
Huffington Post on my to-do list. It will sit there for six months. Won't happen. But if someone else is counting on me to send them an email that I signed up for it or that I submitted an article, whatever that is, by next Friday, you better believe it's going to be in by next Friday because then I treat it like it's a responsibility I owe to someone else. So for me, coaches help me um, get to the next level by basically holding me accountable. But when I got started, I taught myself completely with the materials that were published by my original writing mentor. And actually now we're affiliate partners. I guest blog for her. I, I had a chapter published in her traditional uh, hardback book. So that relationship has evolved over my entire time freelancing. But having advice from someone who's done what you have done is extremely, or what you want to do is extremely important. So I try to identify people who are maybe three to four steps ahead of me, and then I will reach out to them. And sometimes they're not even coaches. You know, like one of the coaches I'm working with now doesn't advertise for coaching publicly. But I said, you know what? You're like three steps ahead of me in this one endeavor. Can you teach me how to do it? And that, you know, I use that accountability to get it done. But also this is someone who knows the ropes and has been there before. So I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm going to learn directly from someone who did this. No, that's excellent. And I, I thought about interrupting you and screaming once, not because you said or did anything wrong. It's because you actually said and did everything right. The content theme for Intensely Inspirational this week is about networking. Everything you just talked about, but this is going to come out next week frustrates me because I wish it came out this week because it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to anybody listening, if you like this, uh, check out the blog and other stuff from last week because you'll love that too. So I want to jump in there and say that. And the fact that you've written or potentially regularly write for the Huffington Post makes me want to start a fan club for you and be the president and the member. So awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that that's fine with me. You will probably be the only member, but that, that's okay. <laughs> no, that's really, really cool. All right, so... I would love to get three strategies or courses of action that you would offer to anybody listening that wants out of the rat race. And we've touched on some of that, but just kind of in an easy to digest, easily takeawayable format. Okay, perfect. So my first one is going to sound a little new agey, but it's, it's really important. And that is, you know, give yourself permission to do it. I'll, I know so <laughs> many people who come to me and they're like, especially former teachers, people in my grad school programs, they're like, I've, I've seen what you've done. I want to do it. And they're all hyped up and excited, but then they don't actually follow through on the work largely because they're coming from a place of fear. They're like, I can't do this. I'm not a good enough writer. There's no way I can make a living at this. You've just been lucky, blah, blah, blah. So give yourself permission to do it. I never studied journalism, communication, or English, never wrote for a newspaper, had not been paid to write one word before I landed my first job on Elance. So all of that stuff is irrelevant. All of these traditional like, oh, I must have a certification. I must have a master's in creative writing. No, you don't need all that stuff. So that's number one is give yourself permission. Uh, number two is, you know, try to land a couple of clients, preferably on retainer for your first couple of months. So you learn how you work. You're, when you first start out, you're going to have no clue how to price yourself. You're going to have no clue who you like working with, what your niche is, how long it's going to take you to do projects. So just jump in feet first, get some experience. You might underprice yourself. You might have a nightmare client. 
that's okay. Learn from the experience and use that to refine your processes. Because what I noticed was I, you know, I was writing about anything and everything when I first got started. And then I realized, Hey, my favorite clients all seem to fit this same avatar. You know, these are the best ones. They pay me on time every time. And that's how I develop my niche and my ideal client avatar as well. And then number three, um, you know, we did talk about it a little bit, but say no, it is actually, you know, we spend so much time as entrepreneurs focusing on getting people to say yes and to buy something or to work with us. But you also have the power to say no. And not every client who comes to you is the right fit. So after you get some experience, you know, do those couple of months, try to land some experience with some different people on a couple different types of projects. Use that to learn what you like working on and what you don't, and then get comfortable saying no. Now, if it's a client where it's just not the right fit for you or you don't have time, then you know forming the network of other freelancers that you can trust allows you to say, hey, I can't help you, but my friend over here can. Here's his contact information. If it's just a straight up bad client, don't do that to your friends. Just say you can't work on it and you know cut the client off because you don't want to dump a nightmare on somebody else. But those would be my top three tips for getting started. I love those. Thank you very much for sharing those. Yeah, sure. One thing I want to really uh, run with is that first one. That first one's near and dear to me because I actually had a conversation with a guy earlier this week that's probably going to listen to this podcast so you know who you are. But people get this idea that if I don't have a degree, I can't do X. Well, let me tell you, everybody. I know plenty of people with advanced degrees that are still terrible at what they do. A degree does not give somebody a pass to greatness. A degree does not mean that somebody is effective or a lot of different things. So uh, I want people to see that as maybe a milestone accomplishment, but I've talked to plenty of people with no degrees who've built $300 million empires from nothing. So I just felt obligated to, to speak about that. Yeah, absolutely. That's something I believe in a lot too. And that's, I tell that to a lot of people who are just getting started, starting out. It seems like you know, it, it, it's too good to be true, but I certainly had that experience. Talent and passion will trump all the other stuff. Experience, price, um, you know, somebody else's certifications and advanced degrees. So if you focus on what you're good at and really stay in that sweet spot, that you should have no problem breaking in. Amen. I'm giving you an amen and you don't even need to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought your sense of humor with you. That's always a requirement on the show, but I didn't tell you that. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> so what is next for you and your wonderful empire that you're building? Um, well, you know, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm trying to, can, you know, I'm first of all, I'm trying to finish my PhD dissertation, which has nothing to do with my business and is therefore so hard to do, so hard to work on. Um, but I have all the data collected and I've done everything for my PhD except actually sit down and write the dissertation. It seems silly to quit now. So I am trying to uh, work on that. And then I'm also working on some uh, fiction projects. I'm working on a young adult book, actually, and I'm working on a nonfiction book about how to delegate and outsource to people effectively. That's something that has come into my world a lot as a freelancer. I've project managed for some pretty big companies and been brought in to build digital benches of freelancers. And so that's, um, I, it's something I realized I didn't realize I was that great at. I thought like, I'm okay at it, but then I meet these other people and you know, they're running seven figure businesses and not really outsourcing effectively. So I, I thought this would be a great place for me to uh, write a nonfiction book. So that's really the next iteration. I have a number of clients that are on 
annual contracts. You know, I've been very lucky with a number of law firms that have said, we really want to work with somebody for three to five years. Can we count on you for that long? So I won't be leaving freelance writing anytime soon. Um, but I love that it fits in with my other stuff. I love that I can work on these other things and then still have the freelance writing. Wow. You're, uh, you have no excuse to be bored anytime soon. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, since you like accountability, I forbid you to give up on your PhD. If you don't finish it, you will personally <laughs> offend oh, me no. and all of Inspire Nature listening worldwide. Oh, all right. All right. I'm going to try to stick with it. There, there really is no excuse. <laughs> and I'm going to follow up with you periodically to see how it's going. Oh, no. All right. Now, now it's real. It's, it's real. real. It's real. We're counting on you. All right. For anybody listening that would love to reach out to you or, or maybe even talk to you, uh, what's the best way or what are some ways people get a hold of you? Sure. So I just launched my own podcast, which, you know, uh, kind of surprised me because as a writer, I thought people would love my blog. And most of my audience and students have connected with me audio visually or through my podcast. So um, I have a podcast that's on my website, sixfigurewritingsecrets.com, all spelled out. Um, you can contact me through there. And then I have um, all of my courses are at laurateachesyou.com. And I have a free course about how to become a virtual assistant, a free course about how to identify your freelance writing niche. So in the event that you're interested in making money online, um, you can learn a little bit more about me and, and my teaching style, which is uh, pretty direct, no fluff type stuff. Um, so that's out there as well. Awesome. Uh, you know, one thing about podcasting, I, I think it's a fad. I don't think it'll ever catch on. So just letting you know. <laughs> I th okay so maybe I'm kidding I'm yeah, kidding <laughs> I don't I don't buy that but you know I mean I honestly like I'm gonna stick with it just because it's been so fun and I don't know about you but interviewing other people like what a great way to build that into your schedule interviewing other people and learning from them I think I've learned so much just with the episodes I've recorded so far that you know I'm not I mean I'm glad my audience is gonna hear it but I I'm excited that I'm getting as much out of it as I am well yeah it's funny you say that the the value I get for myself is it's unbelievable I, I would have never met the people I've met. I would have never talked to people I've talked to. I've never got access to some of these people. But when uh, somebody reaches out to you and says, can I promote you on my show and help other people? It's kind of hard to say no, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It, it opens up so many doors and it's such a, a cool opportunity. You know, we speak faster than we write anyway. So why not have a 30 or 60 minute podcast episode? You know, it would take me that long to, to do a blog anyway. So I might as well jump on a Skype call with somebody and, and interview them about why they've been successful. So I love it. Absolutely. Well, guys, I've listened to one of her episodes. She doesn't know that, but go to her website and check it out. You'll love it. Uh, Laura, we thank you for your time today. This has been awesome. And uh, we will talk to you soon, I'm sure. All right. Thanks so much. All right. We're back to the show. Laura, I know you're listening. Thank you again for your time. Guys, I hope you uh, found some great value there. It was a awesome conversation, and Laura's obviously doing amazing things. And here's what I want you to take from it. Did you hear the part where she said she set out to make a little extra money? You know, you never, you never know where something's going to lead. You know, she doesn't necessarily set out to to build an empire or, or set out to do what she's done. And sometimes we pleasantly surprise ourselves. Obviously she writes well and does good work and has found a, a great niche where she's thriving, but you just never know. You just got to take chances and you got to try things because you never have any idea what's around that next corner. So that's, that's my point with that. Well, if you guys haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud as well. We've got some really interesting 
guests and formats, new formats coming your way soon as well. It'll actually be a three-way podcast conversation coming up. Three people in different parts of the country, so it'll be really interesting. Um, so that's coming up soon, and we've got some other exciting things. It is always just around the corner, so thank you for tuning in. If you have not given us a review yet on iTunes, we would love that. Um, if you want to look into our monthly book club, check out our website, or even if you just want to see the show notes for this episode, you can go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 55 for those show notes, and obviously the website to see everything else that we're doing. Thank you guys. Have a great week. See you next week.